Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, Stephanie and team, for leading us. And uh, wow, I feel like sometimes we sing things that uh, sometimes we don't always really mean what we're singing. And there's a sense in me as we're asking for more of God's presence. There's that tug of war sometimes in our flesh where we know we've been resisting God. And here we're singing, God, we want more of you, and, and that only God can help us to overcome those places in us, to genuinely just surrender to him. And, um, and there's a sense of reverence that we bring to approaching God and asking for him in a deeper way. And so he's faithful, right? He's good. And uh, we've been talking about transformation this year. And we just want to hear a little bit of what um, God is doing. So, Carolyn, why don't you? We could move up there. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to stay down here. This is Laura and Derek, and their little boy, Nathan, has already gone to GT Kids. But um, you know them. You've traveled with them for some time now in our church family. And... Uh, Laura was sharing uh, st- her story with a group of her friends and uh, just some weeks ago. And as she was sharing it with us, I realized that this is one of those sites of transformation that we just really want to bring, um, bring to celebrate with you as our church family. That's our theme for this year is how God is, is transforming, how he's transformed and is transforming our lives. And so... Um, yeah, I asked Laura if she would do that, and she has willingly agreed. So um, just to give people a sense of, of where you're coming from, um, just share a little bit about the place you were in sort of emotionally and as a family a few years ago. Okay. So we were both um, working full-time, and um, like we could see that Nathan would benefit from homeschooling, but I wasn't ready to, um, to give up my career because I believe that my identity became, came from the point of working more and more and more and making more money. And um, yeah, and then um, about a year ago, mm-hmm. I suffered a mental um, breakdown, a burnout, um, to the point that I wasn't able to, to do my daily things without Derek's help. Mm-hmm. So you guys were in a place that really felt um, pretty low, you know, yes, and, and we, were, we were welcomed into that place so humbly. Thank you for being vulnerable with us in that time. But that was a really hard time, and yes. there was even a season where you were you were gone for a while to just receive mm-hmm. support, and and that was a that was a real tremendous challenge for your family. But God really has used that to trans to as the beginning site of transformation, and that's what you had begun to share in in what um, what I was reading from your circle of people that you were sharing with, and I just wondered if you can tell us what. What, what good came out of that? What, what, God, what did God do in that time of transformation for you? Well, little by little, God started to uh, change my priorities to show me that um, I'm valuable even if I stay home with my child and I homeschool him. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So one of the things you had talked to me about earlier was just how so much of your value was really in the doing mm -hmm. and that um, God began to speak to you about how you're worthy yes. no matter what you do, so to mm -hmm. speak, that you're just as valuable no matter where he places you, no matter what he calls you to do. Yes, and I felt like, I was like, God, like, what is my ministry and what do you want me to do? And I felt he said that, go home and love your family. Such a powerful place. Um, and maybe some other season, you'll be able to share more about the, the place that you came from as a child. But I think... Mm -hmm. What's so revolutionary when I hear that is that that's so outside of what you knew or what you grew up yeah. with was to completely value and mm -hmm. prioritize the people around you that God had put in your life as ministry and not just the doing, not just trying to fill your own sense of identity. Mm -hmm. So powerful, Laura. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you just maybe um, what has been one of the challenges in terms of how how the transformation that happened within you and your values around who you are, mm -hmm. what was the step of obedience you had to, you took out of that place? Mm -hmm. And what maybe have been some of the challenges to doing that? Well, some of my family did not understand my, um, our decision. And they were saying that, but that's not you. You told us that you would lose your mind if you stayed at home. So to just answer them that, well, God changed my identity. God changed my priorities. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what have been one of the blessings of just walking in obedience um, that, God, that you feel God's called you for in this moment, in this time in your life? The whole family is so much more happier. Mm. And we're, like, um, connected. Yeah. Mm. I felt I didn't know my son anymore. Wow. Yeah. So I just want to, um, we'd like to just pray over you guys as you have walked in this. And this isn't a, this isn't a commercial for any particular lifestyle. This isn't an advocacy for staying home or not staying home for, for whatever, anything. It's, it's more about what I really heard in your story was, I felt God calling me to do this and I couldn't because of the beliefs I had about myself. And once he began to change that, I could walk in the obedience he's called me to for this season. And I'm just, that is something we want to celebrate because that really is a transformed life. So we would like to just pray over you and Derek um, to, that God just continues what he's doing inside of you and through you as a family and how um, out of that place we believe there's, there's always more, there's more to come. I, um, I was really asking the Lord about a scripture, and this is one, one of, I'm sure, many that, that will become important in your life and will continue to be. Um, but I'll just read it out over you, and then, and then we can pray. It's from Psalm 66, and uh, it says, Let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing his praises. Our lives are in his hands, and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. You have captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us, and we went through fire and flood. It gets better, I promise. <laughs> Sounds a little discouraging, but it gets better because it says we went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place 
of great abundance. And then David says, come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. And God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. So let's just move just a little closer this way. Because there may be some of you here who would like to join us in praying over Derek and Laura. Um, and we'd love for you to do that. We have, we have been with them. We've traveled with them. And we'd love for some of you to just come and, and join us in praying over them for how God is going to continue to use this in your lives. Come on, church family. Let's, uh, let's just bless them and where God's taking them. <clears throat> And um, I'm going to be really quick here because I don't need to just add to what's been said. But there's something about the power of testimony that we need to be reminded of. Number one, it gives glory to God. But I believe that every time we share what God is doing, there's a prophetic aspect to that. And what I'm saying by that is that the Holy Spirit may speak to people here and say, I want to do the same thing in your life where your, your identity has been caught up in some things and it has, it has kept you from stepping into areas of obedience with God. And as God begins to give you a, a sense of where your identity is, you will be freer to obey him when he asks you to do what it is he's asking you to do. Because your identity will have, will have found its place in him, and there's a place of freedom. So we've heard Laura say, God has done something in my life that allowed me to be obedient to what he was asking me to do, and it was in that place of identity. And so God wants to do the same thing in some hearts here today. Absolutely believe that. So that's the power of testimony. So allow the Holy Spirit to do in your life what he has done in Laura's life, if that is what you need today. And so let's pray, and let's just agree together for God's goodness to continue. So we thank you, Lord, for what you have done in this family and in this home. We thank you that, um, Lord, it began with Laura and just... Lord, through such a difficult circumstance that, God, you began to speak to her about her identity in you, and you have brought her to greater places of freedom, where when she has heard your voice, she is able to say yes, and she is walking in a greater freedom. We thank you that this family has been blessed as a result of that transforming work that only you can do, God. And so as a church, we agree together with greater blessing over this family, over Nathan, over Derek and Laura. God, I thank you for the path you have for them. I thank you for the blessing that their family will be to many others as they share their story of how you have touched their lives. And so we ask that you would just bless them in great measure. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that those of us here today that need that same specific work in our lives, in the area of our identity, would you root us in you, that we would be free to say yes when you ask us to do something that, that requires faith and trust. We pray that, Holy Spirit, even now, that you would do that same work in our hearts. And so thank you that you speak so clearly in these moments, that our identity would be in you, Jesus. We would be free to say yes when you ask us to do something that's specific. And so bless, uh, bless us in this area. Continue to transform hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you, 
Laura and Derek for being vulnerable with us today. Let's just give them a hand just to say thank you. So good to, um, to be able to share what God is doing. And uh, so this morning, if, if the Holy Spirit is just saying, that testimony was for you, <laughs> that, that God wants to free you up in some way as you, maybe in some area of your identity, had just been tied to something, and it's really been holding you back. And man, God wants to just say, yeah, I, that, that's the power of testimony. Would you find your identity in me and be free to, to maybe make choices you've been afraid to make or to go in a direction that you sense God leading you in, but, but there's been fear. And so um, just believe that God is going to use that testimony of uh, what he's done in your life, Laura and Derek, and that we're going to be blessed as a result. Um, but I, uh, I want to share, I'm going to get to my message, <laughs> but... Uh, I really feel as though I just need to be obedient um, in, in sharing something that uh, has to do with two weeks ago. We were, we were in this passage of Scripture in Ezekiel 37, and we were reading about how God brought this guy, Ezekiel, in, in a vision, how he brought him to this place where there was dry bones, there was no life. It was a, it was a place that was dead. At one point, there was life there, but somehow... That life was gone. And God said to Ezekiel, can this place be a place of life again? And Ezekiel said, well, only you know God. In the natural, it couldn't. And God in this vision just said to Ezekiel, I want you to begin to speak life, and and I am going to bring life to this valley of dry bones. And 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 God said, you know, in in this vision, people stood on their feet. They, They came to life again, and there was this vast army and, I, and I've just been, been thinking about that thought, that as God breathes into our lives, as he begins to touch your life and my life, that together he then calls us to something good. He calls us to, to bring his, his goodness and, and the message and the power of God to others, that they would experience life as well. How many of you know that a vast army has vast potential, potential for good, and as God begins to breathe into us as a church and into you as an individual, um, that then he will, he will also ask us to do some things. And I, I've been reading recently, how many of you know the name Wilbert, um, or William Wilberforce? Have you heard that name? Uh, there's this movie that came out a number of years ago called Amazing Grace. You might want to just get it, get your hands on it, and watch it again. But I've read part of his biography. And here was a man who, in, in his youth encountered the presence of God, and he was stirred. He, 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 he knew that God was, God was calling him, but then in his later years, he began to walk away from the Lord, and in his early 20s, God got a hold of him again. By this time, he was a sharp young man. He was in a high level of political influence in his country, but he, he thought to himself, God, I, I want to serve you, but I'm not sure how that looks. I think I can't be a politician and still serve you. And through a series of circumstances, he realized, no, no, God has a call on my life in this place, and I'm going to trust him that he's going to use my life. And in his diary, he wrote this one day as he came to this understanding. He said, God Almighty, 
has set before me two great things. And one of those was the abolition of slavery. And God used William Wilberforce to change the thinking of society about this thing called slavery that just went on. And, and they, he, he, he was called by God to help change that. And I, I found myself thinking, uh, uh, what is the great thing that you have been called to? What is, what is that thing that you know, God, you are calling me to this? God, this is, this is something you're beginning to lay on my heart. This is something that you are calling me to as you are reviving me, as you are speaking to my heart. I believe that hand in hand with that, God also begins to just give us some specific ways that he wants us to reach out. And it's always about people, always about people. It's about people finding freedom. And so I wanted to ask us that question today. What is that great thing that you have been called to? Am I using what God has given me for his purposes? And there's a second name very quickly I want to mention. There's this guy named Nehemiah, and, uh, and he came to a realization that God had called him to do something great. You know what his, his great thing was? It was a construction project. So God said to Nehemiah, I want you to be a supervisor over this construction project, and this is what I'm calling you to do. And so Nehemiah just realized, God, you're calling me to this. And, and again, it had to do with people. There was a city that was, what was vulnerable to the enemy attack, and it was God's people. And Nehemiah said, we're going to get this wall built. We're going to be able to live in safety. We're not going to be afraid anymore of the enemy. There were those who tried to discourage him and to stop him. And listen to what Nehemiah said. This is so familiar, but I put the scripture on the screen for you. Nehemiah said this, I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down from the wall that I am helping to build. You know, Nehemiah didn't even talk to them personally. He just sent a messenger. I'm too busy doing God's work for my life. And there will be people that will try to discourage you, that will try to dissuade you from what God is calling you to and, and just like Nehemiah, we need to just say, no, I know this is God's path for my life. This is what he has called me to, and I will not be dissuaded. I will not be discouraged. I will not be distracted, because God is calling me to something great. And what he is calling you may be different to what he's calling the person in the next pew over to. But I, I just felt as though, as we were, we were praying about this passage two weeks ago on Saturday night in our prayer time, and I, real, I really felt as though the Lord w- was telling me that there are people here today that God will call you to something very specific. And you will know, this is, this is what God is calling me to. And you will refuse to be dissuaded from that. You will refuse to be discouraged. You will know the clear call of God on your life, and he will use you to do great things. And I just felt like today I needed to say that. And and again, trusting that the Holy Spirit knows who needs to hear that, and he's already been speaking to you. What I'm saying will just be a confirmation if if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. But I believe there are those here today that will say, you know, God has set something before me and there's a path for my life and I will not be discouraged. I will not be dissuaded from what God God is calling me to. And so God God has things that he will call us to do. And it may be in the political realm or it may be as a construction supervisor. 
But it always has to do with people finding freedom and with God using your life to impact the lives of others in a way that glorifies his name. And so this morning, if that's you, and you would say, I will not be dissuaded. And I want to pray before we go any further and just say, Lord, would you, would you just speak to us so clearly uh, about what you want for us in our lives? Can we pray? And if um, you just agree together with me in your heart as we pray this morning. So, Lord, we just thank you that, that you, will, uh, you will give us a clear understanding of what you're calling us to. And I, I pray that today, those of us that needed to hear that, because you're speaking to us along those lines, would you give us such clarity and such passion that we will refuse to be discouraged or dissuaded or distracted from what you have laid on our hearts to do that we would see people's lives changed. And so, Lord, just clear away any clutter from our thinking. Make it so crystal clear to us. Speak to our hearts, I pray. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we go, we're going to open our Bibles to John chapter 6. Would you do that? John chapter 6. And... um, we are, uh, we are coming close to a conclusion of our series called Something Greater. Uh, and remembering that Jesus began to point to something greater that he was doing, and he was beginning to point to the cross, and we're going to look at John chapter 6 today. But before, um, before we do, I, uh, I'm wondering this morning, I have in this basket a freshly baked loaf of bread. And anyone hungry? Dwayne, you're hungry? Maybe you didn't have breakfast this morning. Oh, just one. No, can't take the whole basket. Anyone else want to? Yeah, Scott? This is okay. We're allowed to eat in church. So, now, anyone else hungry? Yeah, okay. Now, you can just go ahead and uh, and have a bite. Anyone in this section while I'm here? Autry? This this is freshly baked bread. How many of you know um, that freshly baked bread is good? Anyone else want one? Well, okay, you can get some later. Um, so just eat that. Um, some of you are thinking, well, that's white bread, so I really don't want to eat white bread. Um, it, so, someone said this about bread. I thought it was kind of humorous. You might like it. Uh, bread is like the sun. It rises in the yeast and it sets in the waste. <laughs> Sorry, for those of you that are eating right now, that doesn't apply to you. This is a calorie-free bread this morning. Um, but but eat that eat that bread and you're going to start to feel a sense of uh, of satisfaction as as your hunger that you've uh, brought with you this morning is satiated a little bit. Um, John chapter six. So it looked as though before we read this, it looked as though Jesus was finally going to make his move. He was finally going to do it. Been a long time coming. Um, but those that were, uh, were kind of coming into Jerusalem with him, this is Palm Sunday, where we remember that moment where Jesus came into Jerusalem. Uh, but people had watched Jesus for three years already, and they had seen this incredible miracle-working power at work through Jesus as they observed him. They, they had seen miracles. They had seen people get up and walk who had never walked in their lives. They had seen uh, Jesus confront injustice. 
They had been amazed as Jesus spoke to those who were demonically oppressed and possessed and the demons left. They watched as Jesus confronted the religious elite who in some ways had become corrupt and he was fearless. And so the next step in their thinking was, okay, Jesus, you need to set your sights on this oppressive Roman empire. Here's who's next. Jesus, you're unstoppable. And as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem that day, there were those in the crowd who thought, okay, it looks like Jesus is finally going to do what we've asked him to do. He's going he's gonna to wipe out this Roman uh, rule that's been so oppressive to us. And they thought that finally Jesus was, was coming to his senses. And, and there had been some impatience with Jesus. How many of you felt some impatience this week? There was a moment where you were impatient uh, we know what that feels like. Um, I, I, read, I read this week about a little girl, and uh, she was attending her very first wedding. You know, for a little girl especially, it's a pretty big deal. And so she was attending her very first wedding. She, she was watching the proceedings with interest, never seen this before, didn't know how this all worked. Uh, but she began to grow fidgety and restless, right? She's just a little girl, and why is this taking so long? And She had watched as the groom came, and he stood at the front, and then she had watched as six beautiful bridesmaids had slowly walked up the aisle, one by one, and she just lost patience with this, and she leaned over to her mom, and she said, Mom, why doesn't he just hurry up and pick one? (laughs) Impatience. We've all felt it, and there were some that were impatient with Jesus. Because they felt as though he wasn't really accomplishing the big thing. And that was overthrowing the Roman government. And so Jesus comes and he makes his way to Jerusalem. And the way he's going to Jerusalem that day, he's coming over the Mount of Olives. And, and, and there's a vantage point where you glimpse the city as you come that way to Jerusalem. And he comes over this mountain and all of a sudden there is you know, this vast panorama of, of the, the city of Jerusalem. And you know the scripture, right? What does he begin to do? He stops there. There's people all around him, kind of treating him as a king. He stops and he begins to weep. And he catches a glimpse of this city and he begins to weep. And the reason why he was weeping is because he knew that there would be many, in fact, most would reject what he had come to do in their lives. And he was overcome with this sorrow. The fact of the matter is that he could have overthrown the Roman rule. He could have done that. But he knew that was not the answer. You know why? Because if he had changed who was in the seat of power, it would do nothing to change the heart of humanity. And Jesus knew that wasn't the answer. And that was what people were pushing him towards. We've got this Roman government in our crosshairs, and if that changes, that's the answer. Jesus knew it wasn't. And so Jesus begins to point to something greater. He begins to point to something greater. And this is where we come to our passage this morning. And I'm going to read John chapter 6, verses 25 to 35. And just follow along. If you don't have it, just listen. I'm going to pause a little bit and give you some context as we go along. So John 25. When they, pause right there, um, they are the crowds, when it says they, Remember Jesus, the story of him feeding 5,000 people? The they right here are the 5,000 people that had been fed. Uh, They had had their stomachs filled the day before. Jesus had multiplied the loaves. 
And, um, and they had eaten as much as they could. They were stuffed, and there was food left over. They wanted to find Jesus again. So the they is those people that Jesus had fed the day before in the feeding of the 5,000. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now pause again. The here is they were in the synagogue in Capernaum. So Jesus is in the synagogue where they, where they taught the scriptures and they learned about God. Jesus answers and he says, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're hungry again, and, um, and so you're, you're seeking me out. And then he begins to try to point them to a spiritual place of need. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. When they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And he just points them to this idea that it's by faith that we receive. It's not by our works. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we will see it and we will believe in you? What will you do? Then they talk about a memory they have. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, it's an interesting passage where, where uh, these people come to Jesus and they say, you know, Jesus, um, we're hungry again. And, um, and they begin to reminisce about this story in the history of their nation. And we know the story that uh, God brought the nation of Israel. He called them to be his people. He said, I want you to follow me. And I want, I want as I pour my blessing on you, I want this to be an example to everyone who's watching of what it means to follow God and experience his blessing. So he calls the people out of slavery. First thing he needed to do, uh, that slavery, that bondage in Egypt was, was ended. But we know they began to wander in the desert because of their unbelief. They weren't ready for the promised land yet. And there was a moment as they began their wandering in the desert where they looked around them, they were starting to feel hungry. And they looked around and they realized we are in a desert There was about a million people. There is no food here. And they thought to themselves, we are going to starve to death. And so God answers their their cry, and he says to them, he says, I will rain down bread from heaven. These are the words that God spoke to them. Listen, in your place of need in this desert where there's no chance of survival, except I'm going to intervene. And I will open up the heavens, and I will rain down bread for you. I will provide for you. And so the next morning, they wake up, and what do they see on the ground? They see something that's white. They're not sure what it is. And really, it was manna. Do you know what manna means? It means, what is it? So when the people woke up the next morning, they see this. They say, what is it? Which, which, that's the word for manna. So it became known as manna. How many of you parents have put a meal in front of your children, and they have said, 
manna. Like, what is this? Have you ever, done, you ever had that experience? Well, this was the response of God's people. What is this? And so, but it was manna. It was God's provision. So it was, it was a miracle, a supernatural provision of God that did what? It saved their lives. It sustained them. And so for 40 years, every morning, except for the Sabbath, they had enough to tide them over the Sabbath, every morning they would wake up and there would be God's provision for them. And they would eat to their, to their fill. It, uh, scripture says that it tasted like wafers made with honey. And so God provided for them. So they're saying to Jesus, um, Jesus, what are you going to do for us? You know, there, as, I, as I studied this, I learned something I never knew before. And that is that the Jewish people, they came to understand, God, you said you were going to rain down manna from heaven. That's what God said. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And they said, you know, God has this storehouse of provision in the heavenlies. He opened it for those 40 years. We never had to look for food. But then as soon as they entered the promised land, that storehouse closed. But this is what they came to believe. They believed that when the Messiah came, that God was going to reopen that storehouse of manna. And once again, bread was going to rain down on them. Once again, God was going to provide for them in that physical way. What had happened the day before? They had watched Jesus multiply the loaves and feed 5,000 people. And so they're beginning to wonder, Jesus, are you the one that is going to reopen the treasuries of God's provision, of God's manna. So they said, hey, listen, our forefathers ate for 40 years. What are you going to do? And I think behind that question was this, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one that's going to that's break open the treasuries of heaven again? And so Jesus responds to them. And basically what he says is this. He says, you know, God has indeed opened the treasuries of heaven again. But he's not going to rain down manna. He's giving you something much greater than that. In fact, God is giving you himself. God himself has come. And he said to them basically this. He said, the bread of heaven is a person. You know, your forefathers ate physical bread and they needed that to live. But God is doing something greater in your day. And God has sent himself. God himself is the bread of heaven that you need to sustain and to feed your spiritual hunger. And so they still think he's talking about physical bread. So they say, you know, okay, Jesus, from now on, give us this bread. Now, we'll take all the bread you can give us. They were hoping for those days where, where breakfast had appeared miraculously every morning. You know, that, that was a pretty sweet deal. If you've ever been on a cruise, we, Carrie Lynn and I, had, were blessed to be able to go on a cruise in February. If you've ever been on a cruise, you know that food and lots of it kind of appears miraculously at all hours of the day, right? It's a pretty sweet deal. You don't have to look for food. You don't have to go grocery shopping. You don't have to prepare food. You don't have to do dishes. You know, that's a pretty sweet deal. I could get used to that. And so so here, these people are remembering, well, you know, our forefathers, God provided for them that way. And Jesus is saying, you know, I, I came to banish hunger, but it's at a much deeper level for you. And he says this in John six thirty five. It just makes it really clear. He says, I am, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me 
will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus takes their desire for physical sustenance, and he says to them, there is something that you need that's much greater than bread, physical bread from heaven. In fact, God has opened the heavens and he has sent me. And I am the bread of heaven. I am the one that will satisfy uh, the deep longing of your heart. And so Jesus is God's bread from heaven. And he said to them that day, he said, if you so choose, he said, I will satisfy your hunger, both in this life and, in, and for eternity. The hunger that the human soul has is satisfied in the presence of God himself. And Jesus came. God sent himself, his son, to satisfy the hunger of our souls. And I think the point this morning that I just want us to go away with is, is this point, and it's, it's simply this, that each of us have to decide for ourselves if only Jesus will satisfy. Each of us must come to a decision in our own lives whether or not only Jesus will satisfy the hunger that we find in us. Will we take him at his word? Will you take him at his word this morning? When he says to you, I am the bread of life. I am the one that can satisfy the longing in your soul. Will you choose to find your satisfaction in Jesus today? Only you can decide that. No one can decide that for you. And Jesus was speaking to a whole group of people who wanted him to give them physical food, and he pointed them to something deeper. You know, we all know what it feels like to be dissatisfied, don't we? Have you ever felt dissatisfied? Every once in a while, I have this experience, and, and you've probably had it too. And in this experience, I'm, I'm, I'm standing at the door of our fridge in our kitchen, and I have the door open, and I'm just scanning through the fridge. And you know, it's not because I'm hungry. I, I've had something to eat. But it's because it didn't do the job. It, it was not satisfying. And so I'm scanning through the fridge, wondering to myself, you know, what is it that's going to satisfy me today? Have you ever been in that place where you're not quite sure? And it's a terrible feeling. Man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even hungry. I have filled my stomach with something. But I'm, I'm not satisfied. There is, this, there is this sense in me that that was just no good. And so I'm standing there, perhaps late at night, scanning the fridge. Have you ever been there? Because you're not really hungry, but you're not satisfied. And so we know how that feels in a physical way. And Jesus is saying, you know, we can go through life that way. We can stand at the door of the fridge of life, so to speak, and we could have filled ourselves with all kinds of things that life offers us, and we can still be hungry. We're full, but we're hungry at the same time. And this is what Jesus was trying to get at. He was trying to say to them, listen, yeah, that's great that your forefathers had physical provision. They needed it, but I've come as the bread of life to satisfy a much deeper hunger in your life. Will you, will you choose to find your satisfaction in me, Jesus is saying to them. And you know, a lot of people walked away from Jesus that day. A lot of people walked away from Jesus that day. Because what they really wanted was they wanted Jesus to bless them with, 
you know, some physical uh, provision. But they weren't quite sure about following him. So they're kind of saying this, you know, just Jesus, you know, leave, leave the bread basket on my door step each morning, and I'm good. And it, it, just feed me and keep me healthy, and I'm golden. I'm, I'm good. Imagine for a minute, I was thinking about this in, um, in the context of the young household. Imagine for a moment that, uh, that there was a day where um, I said to Carrie Lynn, you know, Carrie Lynn, you make such good meals for us. And uh, there, there's, you know, you're meeting our need in such a great way. But, you know, from here on in, is it okay if you just kind of leave the bread basket at the front door and we'll just kind of live our separate lives? Uh, because, you know, this relationship thing, man, it takes a lot of work. All that commitment, you know, I just kind of want to do my own thing now. I want to just be free to live life the way I want it to. Oh, but, but don't forget about the bread basket. Just leave it on the front door every morning, and I'll be good. You know, that, that's really what the crowd was saying to Jesus that day. They walked away because he began to say, listen, in me, you will find satisfaction. But they weren't willing to follow him yet. They weren't willing to, to step into relationship with him, to surrender their lives to him. And, you know, we can do that as well. Sometimes we can begin to act like the crowd. And we hear a knock at our door. It's Jesus. We call out to him. Oh, Jesus, is that you at the front door yet? Yeah, just leave the bread basket there. Keep me well fed. Keep me healthy. Bless my family. Um, see, you know, same time tomorrow. Okay. I'm not sure, Jesus, about, about following you. I kind of want to live my own life. But boy, do I ever want you to provide for me when the time gets tough, or do I ever want, ever want you to show up and to bless me? But this relationship thing, I'm not so sure. You know, surrendering my life to you, and ah, ah, I don't think so. But leave the breadbasket at the front door. Don't forget that. And you know, sometimes we can begin to forget that Jesus is the one that satisfies. And while he wants to bless us, it's not, it's not the things that he blesses us with that satisfy. It is himself. And out of that place of relationship, yes, we're blessed. But sometimes we begin to act like the crowd. And, and, and basically what we're saying is, Jesus, I'm not really interested in seeking you, I'm not really interested in hearing your voice and being obedient when you call me to make decisions that reflect your will for my life. So just leave the breadbasket at the front door, and we'll all be good. And this morning, I just, I'm just so reminded of the words of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. It is in relationship with Jesus that you will find satisfaction. And he is so willing, he is so willing to walk in relationship with you. And so this morning, will, will you make a choice today to find satisfaction in a living relationship with Jesus? Will you make that choice today? Perhaps Jesus is speaking to you this morning and, and he's maybe opening your eyes a bit to, to the fact that you're, you and I can tend to act like the crowd. And we can be very content to ask for the blessings that God wants to shower on us. 
But when it comes to relationship, when it comes to seeking him, when it comes to surrendering our lives to him and saying, God, here's my life, would you use it? Here is the little that I have to offer, but I give it to you, Jesus. I give it to you, God. I know that as I walk in relationship with you, I will find a satisfaction in my life that only you can give. We're going to just stand for a moment and and pray as we close, and I'm just going to ask Stephanie to come back. But would you stand? Would you do that with me as as we pray this morning? And perhaps today you are realizing that that image of the fridge is kind of where you're at, where you're standing with the, you know, the door of the fridge of life wide open, and you have tried a lot of things, and, and you're still hungry. You're full, but you're hungry. And perhaps Jesus wants to speak to you today. God wants to speak today. He wants to, you to say, listen, it's in me. It's in me that you will find satisfaction for, for your soul, for your life. Perhaps today you just want to affirm, as we close, you want to affirm that, that your life is in Jesus, that you want to surrender your life again to Jesus. And you just think, you know, I've been standing at that fridge door for too long, and, um, and I need to come back to God. I need to come back to finding my satisfaction in Him. And God, I'm making a commitment to you today to trust you with my life, to to genuinely just surrender to you and say, God, use my life the way that you see fit. And may I always come to you to find my satisfaction. May I always find life in my relationship with you. So this morning, I wonder if we, can we sing that song, that last song that we sang um, just before we came to the scriptures today. We're just going to sing this song and then we're going to pray and just encourage you to allow to allow Jesus to speak to your heart to allow him to be the bread of life for you today so let's just uh, worship for a moment and then we're going to pray so this morning I just want to give you an opportunity if if you would like today just to say God I'm just reaffirming my commitment to find my satisfaction in you. And do you want to come and just spend some time with the Lord? You want to, in some physical way, respond and say, God, this is, this is just a recommitment to you today. Would you use my life? Would you just speak to me about um, how you want to just bless me with your presence? So if that's you today, just come and I'm, and I'm just going to pray going to just continue to worship but if you'd like that opportunity i don't want to miss giving that to you just a public commitment again to saying god i'm committed to serving you with my life just give you a minute if there's anyone that wants to come and and just make that declaration in a physical way and then we're going to pray and we're going to ask god to help us to serve him with all of our hearts today Lord's just speaking to you today and you want to respond.